Hello and welcome to the Alive Church in Newark podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We hope that you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged and inspired to pursue the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. So welcome to church this morning. So we are in the middle of a mini-series this week. We've been looking um, last week, this week and next week at the idea of being all in. So last week, Dom spoke about being all in for Jesus. Um, Today, we're going to look at all in for the church. And then next week, we're going to look at all in for the community. So I'm going to pray before we start. Lord, thank you that you are a foundation on which we can build. Lord, we just ask you to be with us this morning as we study your word. Would you plant something in each one of us this morning, Lord? Amen. 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 So... Sorry, I'm all like wet and sniffy after, uh, after my little cry. So um, last week, Dom looked at this idea of being all in for Jesus. He talked about how important it is to put first things first, that if we want to be all in for the church, if we want to be all in for the community, first we have to be all in for Jesus. And it's on this foundation that we can then be all in for the church and for the community. And so today, looking at all in for the church, um, I think many of us probably know that when we talk about the church, we don't always mean, well, we mean a few different things, don't we? Sometimes we mean the individuals, us, as followers of Christ that are part of Jesus' body. We are the church. Secondly, though, when we come together and we gather like this, we've all probably said this morning that we are coming to church, we're going to church. We think that when we gather together like this, we are gathering as church. And then thirdly, there's the institution of church, isn't there? But today we're going to look at the first two of those. We're going to look at us as individuals, as people who love Jesus, and also us when we come together like this, kind of individuals gathering. So Jesus says in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says this, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we're all in for Jesus, if we've decided that we're all in for Jesus, then we need to be following this commandment that he's given us to love one another as he has loved us so that people will know that we're followers of Jesus. And so what does this look like in practice? You know, I think we have a lot of examples through the life of Jesus and in the Gospels of Jesus showing love to people that we can then follow. But the one that I've chosen and the one we're going to look at this morning is just slightly further earlier in um, John chapter 13 and it's from John 13 verse 1 to 17 and I'm just going to read I'm going to read the first five verses and the last five verses and it says this it was just before the Passover festival Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end the evening meal was in progress And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And then from verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So we're going to look this morning at that uh, example of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And there's so much that we can learn about Jesus from, uh, from these verses. But I think in order to understand the fullness and the gravity of what it is that Jesus did, we need to understand a bit about the culture at the time. So back 2,000 years ago, if you went to someone's house for a meal and there was someone who was quite well off, maybe they'd got a couple of servants, there would be a foot washing service on arrival. So uh, there would be a servant whose job it was to wash people's feet as they came in for a meal. But, you know, if you just went to a regular person's house who doesn't have any servants, um, there just wouldn't be a foot washing service the host would never perform this action. If there were no servants to do it, it didn't get done. And yet we see Jesus here. He takes off his outerwear and he wraps a towel around his waist. And that would be what the foot washing servant would wear if you went to someone's house who had one. Jesus adopts the attire of a servant and he washes the feet of his disciples. He does this job that is only for servants. And you know, Let's not pretend as well that this isn't one of like pretty much the grossest job ever. Like it's up there, isn't it? It's up there. Um, like it's summer at the minute, although you wouldn't know it from the fact I'm wearing a jumper and some boots. But it's summer at the moment, and a lot of people during the summer I know will exclusively wear sandals. Like that's just it gets to April, they wear sandals through to October. They love it. I'm here in my winter boots on an August day. But um, if if you wear sandals all the time, like your feet get pretty unpleasant. Like, hot, sweaty, dusty, cracked, all the stuff. I'd got a full list in my original notes, but now I'm stood in front of you. I don't want to say them all. So let's add to that that we're 2,000 years ago in the Near East, and there's no tarmac roads. It's consistently hotter than it is here. And there are animals just roaming the streets, doing what they do. And so, and so the job that Jesus chooses to do is an unpleasant one. You can see why a host of a meal wouldn't want to do this. You can see why someone had to be paid to do it. But Jesus, Jesus does it. He humbles himself and he does it. And I think the level of humility that Jesus shows in this moment is massive. It's more than we can fathom, really. It's huge because back when Jesus was doing this, back when he was washing the disciples' feet, humility was seen as weakness and it was seen as something to be despised. You know, now we look at what Jesus did and we say that kind of the greater the humility that someone shows, the more we applaud it, the more humble, the better. Whereas when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, the more humble, the worse. Like the more humble, the more that someone was to be despised and to be ridiculed. We wonder at Jesus's humility, but it would have been really confusing for the disciples at the time that he's choosing to put himself in a position where he's going to be despised just wouldn't have made much sense to them at all. Did you know a bit of etymology for you? Wouldn't be an O'Connell preach with a bit of another language, would it? <laughs> no Greek today, though, I'm afraid, but we've got some Latin for you. So um, the word humble and the word humiliation have the same root, which kind of makes sense, but I hadn't really thought about it until about three days ago. But they do, they come from the same Latin word, which is humil humiliare, H-U-M-I-L-I-A-R-E, which means to humble. You know, now when something happens that humiliates us, 
we feel humbled, don't we? We feel like it's kind of knocked us down a peg or two when something humiliating has happened. Whereas back 2,000 years ago, it was the other way around. It was if we chose to humble ourselves, we chose to be humiliated. It was the complete opposite way around. So how then does Jesus find in himself to choose to actively put himself in a position of humiliation? We see the answer to that in verse 3 of what we've just read. In uh, John chapter 13, verse 3, it says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew what his purpose was. He knew the love of God. He knew that he was completely covered by the grace of God. He knew that it didn't matter really what he did on earth to humble himself and to follow after what God wanted for him because he knew that he had come from God and that he was going to God and that he was God. You know, Jesus had perfect self-esteem. And because of that, because he knew the love of God and he knew where he'd come from and where he was going, it meant that he could shun convention and do what he needed to do. It meant he could shun convention and follow what God wanted from him. And you know, we get to do the same if we choose. We get to do the same. And it is different now because humility doesn't equal humiliation now. That is different. But when we, when we build on this foundation of being all in for Jesus... It means that we care less about what we might look like in any given situation, how we might be perceived, and we're more interested in pleasing God, in pleasing God and following the commandment that Jesus has given us to love others in such a way that we'll be known as his disciples. Just really highlights this foundation that Dom said last week, first things first, we have to be all in for Jesus. You know, Jesus is not put off by anything at all in his pursuit to serve his disciples he's not put off by anything he's not put off by the kind of cultural and societal norms that he's supposed to be adhering to he's not put off by the unpleasantness of it either or the inconvenience of it and we know that Jesus isn't put off by unpleasantness because we read in the gospels of him going to people with contagious diseases and being close to them and healing them. And that was something that just wasn't done. Or we'd see him go and speak to people that were shunned by society. And he would do that because, because he knew who he was and he knew where he'd come from and where he was going. But here in this passage where he washes the disciples' feet, we see him showing that same compassion to the people closest to him. It's not just about the people that are outside that he's reaching to, but it's the people close to him as well that he wants to show this great level of service and love and care to. And that's an example for us, that it is important that we love one another and we care for one another. But also... Jesus wasn't put off by the inconvenience of it. I only noticed this week when I read through this passage that it says that um, the evening meal was in progress when Jesus got up from his, from his seat. Like, anyone who knows me, some of you know me better than others, but one key thing that probably many of you know is that I love to eat. Like, it is, it is up there with my favorite things to do. And if anything tries to interrupt me while I'm in the middle of a meal, I'm not interested I'm not interested. I will sit and have lunch. Um, So I'll be working from home. And if I hear my laptop ringing while I'm eating my lunch, it can wait. I'm eating my lunch. It's important. If we're sat eating dinner and someone texts, it it can wait until I finished eating because I'm eating and it's important. But Jesus 
gets up from his meal, not to just do something that, I mean, like when someone rings or when someone texts, it's not something that you long-term want to avoid, is it? It's just inconvenient in that moment. But, you know, you get a phone call back or a text back. But Jesus gets up from his meal to do something that is unpleasant and that is humbling and humiliating himself. Jesus chose to be humble. He chose to be humiliated. He chose to be to do something unpleasant and inconvenient, to be an example to his disciples and an example to us of what it is to love one another and to serve one another. And this really challenged me this week. Am I willing to be that inconvenienced to love other people and to serve other people? And I mean, the example I've just given about the fact that I don't even answer a text if I'm eating, the answer is probably no. But it needs to be yes. It needs to be, yes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, to love the people in this church. Because that is what Jesus is calling us to do. Even if it's unpleasant, even if it's inconvenient, even if it requires doing something that maybe we think we're too good for sometimes. Like Jesus, if Jesus can wash the feet of his disciples, then we can love one another. But it all comes from this foundation of being all in for Jesus. Because if, we don't, if we're not all in for Jesus, then why would we? Why would we put ourselves out? Because we'd put ourselves first and we wouldn't put Jesus' will for our lives first. But when we're all in for Jesus, it's so much easier to put aside. It's easier, but it's not easy to put aside our own agendas and our own motivations and follow after what Jesus wants for us. Oh, no, I just spilled water everywhere. (laughs) You know, it's a different way of life back then as well, wasn't it? Which I know sounds obvious. 2,000 years ago, it's obviously a different way of life. But what I mean specifically is, Dom spoke last week um, about this. So if you um, want to know more about this way of life, then I suggest getting the podcast. I feel like I do a plug for the podcast every time I preach. But I just love the podcast. So... um, It was very different in that when a rabbi called his disciples, he was calling them to live every aspect of their life together. It was eating together. It was doing ministry together. It was sharing a house together. It was uh, working together. It was everything, traveling together. Everything was done together. And we don't live like that. Even with our closest friends, we do not eat every meal together. We don't work together. Well, sometimes we do, but we don't do all of these things. We don't live together, work together, eat every meal together. Even with our spouses or with our children, people that we do live with, we still don't spend every moment doing everything together. And so it's not as easy for us to find opportunities in the day-to-day to serve one another because we're not, we're not together like this all of the time. And so that's why Sundays give us a really good opportunity to serve one another because we're all here. We're all together. Sundays are our equivalent, really, of all the disciples being together in one room and sharing a meal together. This is where we have the opportunity to be together and serve one another. You know, at the start, I mentioned that church is the individuals. But when we gather like this together, it's also, we say we're coming to church, we're all together. And... You know, the reason I wanted to talk about both is because one gives us the opportunity to serve the other. The fact that we're all together in this room gives us the opportunity to serve one another. And serving brings us closer together as a community. Loving each other brings us closer together as a community. You know, if you make a meal for someone and you uh, take it round to them, it gives you the opportunity to do something do something to help in a situation where maybe you can't actually do that much to resolve 
the real issue, but you know that you can do something to help and show that person their love if you take a meal to them. If you take someone out for a coffee and a chat, it's a really good opportunity to get to know that person better and to spend time with them and to understand what it is they're going through and how you can help them. And Sundays as well, when we're all together like this, they can bring us closer together if we let them. You know, when um, five, five years ago, I think, when this church started, all right, five years we, uh, we were at another church, um, and the services were in the morning at that church. And many of you may remember, if you were here when we started five years ago, that we had services in the Baptist church, and we had them in the afternoon, because that's when the building was available. We had the services at about four o'clock. And um, when that church started, Don was asked if he could be involved with the technical stuff at that church, the, uh, like the sound and the words and that side of things. And so we agreed to um, attend for a few weeks just until we got, they got some team at, at this church and got things up and running. And so we would go to our church in the morning, then we'd come here in the afternoon, and um, Don would do his AV stuff. And then after a few weeks, we'd been talking about it and praying about it, and we made the decision that we were going to move to this church because it's where we felt that we could be more effective for Jesus. And I don't think at the time that either of us expected to be in the situation that we're now in. I think we just thought that Dom would be doing the AV and that was our effective for Jesus. (laughs) But God had other plans for us. But um, when we moved and we made that decision and we left the church we were in, I felt unbelievably lost. Like we'd, we'd made this decision together and we'd prayed about it and it's where we felt God was calling us to. But I just felt so on the outside. I felt like everyone had already got their place and their role and there was nothing for me to do. And it was, I I thought we'd made the wrong decision. I thought we'd made the wrong decision. And so I just decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to just see if I can join the host team. I'll just say hello to people on the way in. Um, that would give me something to do because I hate just standing around looking like a spare part. Like, I'm here early with Dom anyway. Like I may as well make myself useful. Like I want to do something. So I joined the host team and I cannot under-egg the difference that that made. Like just feeling like I'd got something to give and like I was valuable and useful and that um, like I managed to make friends and connect with people and realize that actually it's not that there was no space for me it's that I wasn't allowing myself to be to step into the space that was there for me and just the conversations that you have with people before the whole congregation arrived like the chats you just have with the team like just this morning I have had two incredible conversations with people in our church that are on team that I wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to have normally but we'd got some downtime this morning and it was nice to chat and that's how how you can kind of make friends and feel connected and you know if I hadn't made that decision to join the host team as it was at the time it would have been so easy for me to just fall off the edge to just blend into the background and just I I don't know I don't really want to think about what that might have ended up as Because in my view and in my experience, and I can only talk from my experience, but for me, serving is the best way to feel connected to a group of people because it just opens up so many other conversations and opportunities. So what does that look like on a practical practical level? What does this loving each other and serving each other look like? Um, Well, in the week, I think this kind of thing is really much more organic. It's having chats with people and knowing what it is that they need so that we can then 
take a meal round or invite another family with us to the park or take someone's kids for a bit or do some some work around someone's house or garden that they might be struggling to do on their own or have people around for dinner go for a walk go for a chat like the list is is endless really of things that we can do during the week to love one another and serve one another but it, each of those requires us in some way to inconvenience ourselves to give of our own time and our own energy to serve others and to love others and to kind of to get our hands dirty and to humble ourselves in that pursuit of loving and serving one another. And on Sundays as well, practically, what does this look like? Well, church now looks quite different to what it did 18 months or so ago. There are some things that are pretty much back to normal. There are other things that are not back to normal yet. And there are other things still that maybe won't go back to how we expected them to be before. But at the moment, on a Sunday, we have three teams. We have the worship team, which is these guys, and also some other guys, and also the guys at the back who do the V-type stuff. That is the worship team. And then we have the kids team. We have the guys that have gone with the kids this morning, and then we have leaders and helpers and parent helpers and leaders who are sometimes helpers and helpers who are sometimes leaders. Uh, And they go out and they have paper rocks thrown at them, and they have a wonderful time. And then we have the kind of the Sunday team, as we call it. And those people come and they do the setup and then they welcome people when they, when they arrive and they do things like the offering and that kind of thing. And I was thinking this week, uh, as I was preparing, that maybe there are people who feel like I did when I first joined this church. And that, that hurts me because I know how I felt. I know what it felt like to feel as though there was no space for me and that I was on the fringes. And it was just because I didn't know that there was space for me. And so I just want to let you know there is space for you. There is space for you. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional and I wasn't, ex- plan- I wasn't expecting that I would. <laughs> you know, there is something for everyone to do and to be involved with. And it's just sometimes that we don't know that there's space for us to be involved. So I just wanted to let you know. Maybe it is that you just think, that because we run such a slick operation, obviously, that you think that there's no space to do anything because it's already done. But that isn't the case. There's always space for more people to get involved and more people to enjoy like the conversations that I got to have this morning because I was here a little bit earlier. And you know, some things are not back yet. Some things that we maybe want to have back, like um, hospitality or prayer team or photography team, things like that, that we used to have that we enjoyed having, and it might be that we want them back. And they don't, it's not that they don't exist because there's no opportunity for them. You know, when we started back in Easter, wasn't it? We started back again in person. And it, we decided that we didn't want to start things up and start doing things as we had done before if those things didn't have the people to support them and um, to run them and to keep them afloat, to sustain them. Because, And the reason for that is because we need to love each other. It comes back to this passage that we've been talking about. We need to love each other. And I know that kind of sounds odd because in some ways you think, well, isn't loving each other having a prayer team, for example? And yes, it is. However, if there were only two people on the prayer team, we would not be loving those two people by allowing ourselves to have a prayer team. Because those two people would be on every week because you have to have, it's uh, like from an accountability perspective, we like to have at least two people on team. And so they would have to be on every week and it would become a chore for them and it would become a burden and it would become a road to burnout that 
we've seen before and we don't want it anymore in this church. We don't want it. And so we have to love each other and we have to spread the load between all of us. And you know, I understand. I understand how a practical serving message like this can land. I, I get it. I totally do. You know, people, those people that are in the room who are currently already serving may be thinking, um, well, you know, I, I already serve on Sunday team, but, you know, maybe I could also do kids or maybe I could do the words. Maybe, maybe I should be doing more. And we bring that to what we're hearing. Maybe we're already serving and we think, no, I'm already serving on two teams. And Sam stood up there and she's saying how important it is to serve. Does she not know that I'm already at my limit? First, yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not... Yeah, I'll explain in a moment. It may be that there are people in this room who aren't serving on a team. And you feel as though what I'm saying is to guilt or to coerce. And let me tell you, it is none, it's none of the above. There, it's not pressure, it's not guilt, it's not coercion. It's just I'm trying really hard to just balance between like, some biblical principles on what serving is some information that you might want or need, and also just my own personal experience of serving. But, you know, we all bring our own stuff to this kind of message, and I completely get it. We've all got our own experiences of what it's like to, to serve, and those can be really, really good and positive experiences, and they can sometimes be not so positive experiences. And so I, I get it. I get that this isn't a straightforward thing to listen to sometimes. But that's why it's so important that we have things in place, like I mentioned, around not starting things up if they're not sustainable, because it's important that we love one another, and it's important that we carry everything together. You know, when often when we receive our tithes and offerings as part of a service, often whoever's speaking then will say something along the lines of that there's no obligation to give. There's no obligation to give. Um, and there's not, because actually if we give out of obligation... That is actively bad for us. It breeds bitterness. It breeds resentment. It just, it's actively bad. But it is good to give. It says in the Bible that God loves a cheerful giver. It is good to give, but it's good to give from the right place because otherwise it's bad for us. And it's the same when we give of our love and our service and our time. There is no obligation to give time during the week or to give time on a Sunday. Non, no obligation at all. Like, I genuinely mean that. There is no obligation at all. Because if you give of those things out of an obligation, it's actively bad for you. And I love each one of you, and I don't want anything that's actively bad for you. Like, but it is good to give of our time and our love and our service to one another. That is good for us. But it should be a joy. It should be a joy to serve. No, it should be a joy that we get to uh, come in on a, earlier on a Sunday and pray together as a team. That should be a joy. It should be a joy that we get to put chairs out, knowing that the people that are going to sit in those chairs are going to hear something of God. They're going to meet with God. That should be a joy for us. It should be a joy when we uh, put the words on the screen, when we get to put the words on the screen so that a congregation of people can lift up Jesus' name in praise. It should be a joy that we get to spend time with the kids in kids' church, helping them to build a foundation of faith. Those things should be a joy. And if we do any of them out of obligation, there won't be a joy. And that's not good for anybody. Now, I understand that you may still be skeptical because, as I say, we all bring our own experiences. We all bring our own situations that we've been in before. But can I suggest that if you are skeptical, that you just give it a try, just literally one time, just one week, 
do the job that Kay's doing now, for example, and putting the words on the screen. Just one week, come in and helping with setup. And let me tell you, setup is not what it used to be in this church. It used to be that we would turn up at quarter to seven in the morning. That is earlier than I get up any other day of the week. We would turn up at quarter to seven and we would spend two hours setting up for church. It is not like that now. Now we get here at quarter to nine. That is a whole two hours later. And we pray together and we just put out some chairs, we clean some toilets and we put out some banners and we call it a good job. It's very different now. But just do it just one time. And if you hate it, then that's okay. You don't have to do it again. But can I just encourage you to try it? But you know, church doesn't just exist to serve itself, does it? It's not just like a happy club that we all come to and we all serve one another. We have an objective as individuals, as the church's individuals. Our job is to love God. It's to love one another as he has loved us so that people will know that we're his disciples. And it is to go and make disciples of all nations. And it's the job of the institution of the church, the third bit that we've not really spoken about, to, well, I believe anyway, to fulfill what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, where it says that the church is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And all of us are the saints. It's the job of the institution of the church, I believe, to equip each one of us so that we can then go and do what it is that we're called to do. And that's, what it's, that's really what ties this whole series together over these three weeks that we're going to be talking about. Because it's our responsibility as individuals to be all in for Jesus, to love God and to want to do what he's called us to. It's our role then to take that love and to be all in for our church, to serve one another, to love one another. And then finally to be all in for our community, to reach out beyond the walls of this school hall into our communities. And it's the job of alive, as it were, as well here, to help us each to build a foundation on which we can then go and love Jesus and love others and be all in for our community. And, you know, we'll talk next week more about what it is to be all in for our community, but as we, the reason it's so important, the reason we've got the order of all in for Jesus, all in for the church, all in for the community, is that when we go out into the community, we need to be really sure of what we're bringing people into because we when we go out and we speak to people and we tell them about Jesus we want them to know that they've got somewhere good and somewhere safe to be pointed to somewhere that they're going to be loved somewhere that they're going to be accepted and you know this church is incredible and I would say that this church is a place that I am proud to be able to point people to and say this is where this is who we are and this is what we do but we are not yet the fullness of a live Newick that God is calling us to. And we're not perfect people, and we're never going to be the perfect version of the church that God has called us to. But it's so important that we are together on a journey to being all in for Jesus, living out his commandment to love one another so that people will know that we are his disciples. So that when we go out and we are all in for the community, we know that we're bringing we're bringing people into a place where we are all in for the church and we're all in for Jesus. That we're bringing people into something great so that when they come into this place, they can then build or help. They, we can then, as the church, help them to build a foundation of what it is to be all in for Jesus, all in for the church, all in for the community. And then they can go and they can talk about Jesus and go and make disciples and bring more people in and they can build a foundation of what it is to be all in for Jesus and it, this cycle just continues but it's all built on this foundation as Dom said first things first that we're all in for Jesus and then all in for the church and the community 
So it may be this morning that, um, that when I've talked about being all in for Jesus, that that's not a place where you're at yet. And we're going to give an opportunity today, we give an opportunity every week for people to respond to that, to decide actually from today, I want to be all in for Jesus. I want to put what he wants for me above what I want for myself. And we're going to pray a prayer together in a moment for that. But I'm also going to pray for us as a church that we would be all in for one another, that we would love one another, that we would serve one another, that we'd be willing to humble ourselves and to... um, we're willing to humble ourselves and inconvenience ourselves to love one another. And, you know, we're going to sing as well uh, before we close this morning. And um, the song that we're going to sing, I think, I'd only really, fra- well, Ollie had texted me earlier in the week and I'd said, yes, okay, thank you, Ollie. And I'd acknowledged it, but I then hadn't thought about it. I'm really sorry. I then hadn't thought about it a single time after that until we got here this morning and I saw what song it was. And I thought, actually, this fits so well because... We're going to sing, I think, uh, Your Love Awakens. And that's what all of this is about, this idea that God's love for us bubbles up in us so much that we just want to love others. And we want it's going to shake us into a state of being awake and wanting to go and serve one another. So we are going to pray uh, a prayer together, and then I'm going to pray over us this morning. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your grace to forgive me and your love to change me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me for the sin in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. With your help, I will live my life for you. So if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. And if that is a prayer that you've prayed for the first time this morning, can I encourage you just to raise your hand? Uh, The reason for that is twofold. Firstly, because it's good to perform an action that shows what's going on inside. But also it's so that I can see and I can come and speak to you and pray with you. So if that is uh, you this morning, I'm going to give you a moment uh, to raise your hand. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. And Lord, I thank you that uh, we have this example in Jesus of someone who was so willing to go outside of everything that society told him, to love his disciples and to serve them. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would catch some of that today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to put aside our own thoughts and feelings and agendas and to just love one another. We're not going to get it right every time. But Lord, I pray that you will help us to get it right as much as we can. Lord, I pray that you would help us to put aside our own thoughts and motivations and to just be after your heart, Lord, which is to love one another in such a way that people, it will be unmistakable that we know you. Lord, I pray that if anything that I've said this morning has come across in a way that wasn't from my heart, Lord, I pray that you would... um, Do what only you can do, Lord. I pray that your spirit would minister to people in this room this morning. We love you, Lord. We want to be all in for you. We want to be all in for one another so that we can go and be all in for our communities and be effective for you in this world, Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for joining with us. We hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did enjoy, you can subscribe to hear more from Alive Church Newark. You can share this message with your friends or you can share on your social media pages. We hope and pray you have a great week and meet with God. God bless you.